We keep things rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. And coming up in just a few short moments, we are going to play my conversation with economics professor at Smith College, Massachusetts, Andrew Zimbalist, about the economic impact brand new stadiums have on the state, the city, and of course, the taxpayers. What the motivation is of billionaires to threaten fan bases of relocation. And of course, what taxpayers should be looking out for through these times as negotiations between billionaires, the city, the state, the counties are going on. But before we get to that conversation let's set the table just a few days ago jerry reinsdorf and his team went down to springfield to talk to illinois governor jb pritzker and in that meeting it was reported that the chicago white Sox and related midwest are asking for one billion in public money to build their proposed new stadium and that's on top of expected 500 million subsidy for infrastructure from a city tiff district that covers the site that's tax incremental financing that's money that's dedicated to certain neighborhoods certain projects certain historical renovations And while they were pitching that plan, this is what they are proposing. That the plan is to create an investment funds from housing, bars, restaurants, a 4,000 spot parking garage, and parks around the stadium from the state subsidy to create funding back to the state. The White Sox hope to use a 2% hotel occupancy fee to pay the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority. That's the entity that is used for constructing sports stadiums. And that also includes guaranteed rate field and what was going on for Soldier Field. So that money is is dedicated to pay off all that debt. And on the Bears front, this comes just a few days after the Cook County Tax Authorities valued the team's proposed stadium site at nearly $124.7 million. That's an estimated 10 to $11 million increase that the Bears were not anticipating. The ruling also came in substantially lower than the $160 million valuation sought out by the local school districts in Arlington Heights. And now this has created the conversation about the Bears using the South Lot and what kind of tax breaks, subsidies, type of bonds they can get. Mind you, while all this is going on, the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority still owes nearly $500 million through 2032 on public bonds issued for the renovation of Soldier Field. So as you can see, that's a lot to break down. And that's just the most recent news. So that is why we are so excited for you to hear our conversation with economics professor at Smith College, Massachusetts, Andrew Zimbalis, as he breaks down why billionaires use relocation strategy to move their team, what the actual economic impact will be on the taxpayers and the fan base, why some ploys used in these scenarios are lies, and what you can look out for, not only as a fan, but as a taxpayer, as these negotiations are going on. So enjoy our interview with economics professor at Smith College, Massachusetts, Andrew Zimbalist, here on the Sports Keep It Go. I'm Mike Mercado. Andrew Zimbalist, economics professor at Smith College, joins us here on the Sports Keep It Go. I want to get your thoughts on this because you're somebody who we've been so excited to talk with. You had a talk with the people at Colorado State a few years back about the honeymoon phase, about what it means for a team to build this new stadium and what it's going to take for a stadium to actually impact the economy. What do you mean by that for fans who are just coming into this only as Bears fans, only as White Sox fans that don't really have an idea of what's really going to impact them? If these deals go through one of the things that will impact the fans right away is that it's unquestionable that ticket prices will go up part of part of the reason why team owners want to have a new stadium is because they introduce more club seats and more luxury boxes and there are, then there are also fewer regular seats because there are fewer regular seats uh the demand supply equation pushes those prices up as well so one of the things that will happen unquestionably is that uh, ticket prices will go up and one shouldn't be surprised 
if you also see concessions and, and some other prices go up as well. So that will impact the fans. Um, beyond that, there's, there's not likely to be much of an economic push uh, or an economic gain for the, the city of Chicago um, with, with new stadiums. You know, football stadiums are used uh, for these days, roughly 10, 10 football games a year and, and maybe another 10 or on the outside 15 concerts from the likes of Taylor Swift and others. Um, but so you're talking about using using a stadium, football stadium for maybe 25 um, days a year. That means that uh, 340 days are dark. It's not being used. And, you know, most most retailers and and restaurants and, and hotels and even commercial buildings uh, don't find it advantageous to to locate next to a football stadium under under that kind of very irregular and infrequent usage. Um, baseball, obviously, the numbers are higher because you've got 81 regular season home games. Um, but still, the baseball stadium by itself is, you know, you're talking about talking about 100 days out of 365 days. And, and of course, e either the football stadium uh, to be used by the MLS team or baseball stadium to be used for uh, local high school tournaments or college games or whatever, you can add a little bit to the, those numbers, but you're, you're still talking about a stadium that occupies somewhere in the neighborhood of um, eight to 10 acres for the stadium itself. And then especially for football, you have, uh, much more than that, more than the eight or 10 acres for, for parking. Uh, and baseball, you probably have a bunch of parking area too, and you have infrastructure uh, that, that takes up land. Uh, so you, you're taking up a lot of land. Um, the, the, the financing uh, deal that's usually offered is, is one where, uh, and this, this has been the case for Reinsdorf with, with the White Sox and with McCaskey for, for the Bears, um, the financing has, has been largely public. In the, in the case of the renovation of Soldier Field back in 2002, two-thirds of it was public money, and one-third came from, from the NFL. McCaskey, as far as I understand, did not put up anything. Um, but look, the reason why McCaskey and Reinsdorf want new stadiums is because they think they'll generate more revenue for their team and increase their profits, and they should be making healthy contributions here. I mean, look what just happened in Englewood, Los Angeles, where, where Stan Kroenke built, built a new stadium, SoFi, he put $5 billion of private money into that, $5 billion of private, and he's putting additional money into the surrounding area. Um, there wasn't any public money. Um, and so, you know, it can be done. You talk, in the case of the Bears, you're talking about a team that's uh, eval evaluated uh, at, at over $5 billion, um, you know, that the, of course, you know that Hallis bought that team originally, Senior Hallis bought it originally for $100. Um, so there's enough private money there to, to chip in. And the, the short, you know, the short answer is that the economic scholarship on stadium building by itself uh, is, is not very encouraging. Uh, you, you cannot anticipate a positive economic gain. If, you, if the city of Chicago is convinced, if the people of the city of Chicago are convinced that the Bears will leave the city and the White Sox will leave the city if there's not a new stadium, then the argument really to provide some public support is this is a, this is a culturally, uh, culturally attractive element of the community of, of Chicago. Uh, you know, enri it enriches the lives of at least 
not everybody would necessarily believe that, but I think there is an argument that it, it, it enriches the community. It, it, it creates a deeper sense of community, gives people more, more ties to each other, more things that they can enjoy together. So that's the value. It's not an economic value. And what really needs to be thought about uh, when, when Chicago is approached or Illinois is approached for new public funds to build yet another stadium, yet another new stadium, it shouldn't be, uh, hey, this is going to be an economic boon for the city. It's not going to be. Uh, it should be, it, how much is it worth to us culturally to, to keep these teams here? And on that basis, uh, there could be some public contribution. But one has to be very careful because obviously there, there are lots and lots of public needs and you don't want to be um, in squandering the public resources that you have to help a billionaire get a little bit richer rather than, who knows, building new schools or new housing or, or polyclinics or whatever. Andrew Zimbalist, economics professor at Smith College, Massachusetts. This is exactly why we wanted you on here in Chicago, because there's just so many reign of emotions going on for people. And there's just so many different ways of life from the White Sox leaving the South Side and essentially Jerry Reinsdorf throwing that fan base that has really propped them up for so many years and trying to jump on this 78th project and what's going on with the bears and the school district is all just fascinating. And it's something we hope to have you on many more times over the next year or so. But I want to ask you this one. When did billionaires figure this out, this grip out, this talking about economic impact reports and getting these subsidies and getting these bonds? Was it 10, 15 years ago when billionaires were able to figure out that they can use the emotions of sports fans, the civic pride. When did that become the ultimate grip of buying real estate and buying into these exclusive clubs? Well, so I think that that whole process began in the early 1950s in baseball. Um, when you had after 52 season, 53, 54 season, you had the Philadelphia A's moving to Kansas City. You had the Boston Braves moving to Milwaukee. And what, what those... And eventually in 57, you have the, the, the Dodgers and the Giants moving from New York to California. Uh, what, what that movement created, and it was the first time many baseball teams had moved since the creation of, of Major League Baseball in 1903. Uh, it was, actually, it was the merging of the National League and the American League in 1903. It was the first time you had teams moving. They discovered that, you know, the population had grown a lot in the United States between 1903 and, and 1950s. And the income level had grown even more. And so there are a lot of wealthy cities out there that were quite capable of hosting baseball teams. Uh, but the number of baseball teams was the same. It was stayed at 16, all of those five decades or six decades. Uh, and, and so the demand from cities to host teams uh, was growing faster, much faster than the supply, which was basically stagnant. And that gave owners some leverage and owners started to notice that. And when one owner got a subsidy, the next owner wanted to get a subsidy. So that happened. And there was a big building boom in the 60s and 70s. And then it started all over again in 1992 with Camden Yards. Some might refer back to the new Comiskey Park in 1991 uh, as starting a new trend of building stadiums in downtown areas rather than building them in the suburbs. And as that happened and, and television contracts exploded, the franchise values went higher and higher. So I think the process started in the 50s, but it's just gotten deeper and deeper uh, over the decades. Uh, and that's where we are today. Andrew, Professor, this was absolutely amazing. Shout out to that amazing article you did on stadiums as public investments. That was such a great read. Shout out to your sons for the two Escobars. 
That was an amazing dog. That was great. So Chicago, we found ourselves a great smart person that's going to make us smarter in this entire situation. Before we let you go, you're super busy. Any final words for Chicago in this situation to keep an eye out? Because while there's a lot of pretty renderings and AI, artificial intelligent arts and PR groups working to make it look cool, anything for the citizens, the taxpayers, sports fans, everybody to keep an eye out during this process with two stadiums? All sorts of things, all sorts of ways that public money can be hidden so it appears like it's no public contribution, but in fact there is. So one of the ways that that happens is you can make land available uh, for development at below market prices or, or even for free. Uh, and you can give them long-term long tax exemptions, tax abatements. Uh, and so it doesn't look like the city is putting any money out, but in fact they are indirectly, you just can't see it. But that's just one of many areas. You, you, you need to bring in some people who understand this well and are sitting down at the negotiating table on behalf of the city. Economics professor at Smith College, Massachusetts. He is Andrew Zimbalis. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us here on the Sports Cubicle in Chicago. You have no idea what a treasure you have been for us. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you very much. Nice to say that. Bye-bye.